Compelling Words podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Three words. Three words with just three letters in each of those words. So in print, it seems like it's just a little question. But actually, how we answer that little three-word question is pretty big. And so you're waiting, you're wondering, what is the question? Well, here's the question. The question is, who are you? Who are you? Uh, It's a short little phrase, three little small words, But how we answer that is pretty significant. How we answer that question means a whole lot. Sometimes we answer that question with, you know, something simple like our gender. I'm a man or I'm a woman. Sometimes we answer that question with our relationship. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a brother. Sometimes we answer it with our position. I'm a preacher, I'm a farmer, I'm a banker, a teacher. Sometimes we answer that question by how we feel. I'm a happy person. I'm a sad person. I'm a lonely person. I'm strong. I'm a failure. I'm a good person. I'm a total wreck. This morning, I'd like to remind you that... that you have a way better way to answer that question. I'm not saying those answers are wrong. I'm not saying those answers are bad. I'm just saying that we have a way better way to answer that question. Um, I want to remind us that who we are in Christ, that is something to be aware of. Because... Who we are in the eyes of God means more than anything else. It means more than anything else. Uh, The New Testament book of Ephesians is a letter to a church from the Apostle Paul. And in that letter, he prays for them. He prays that the church will be strengthened by God's Spirit. So that we, as the church, because this was written to the Ephesian church, but in general, since we're a church that follows Christ, it applies and is meant for us as well. And so Paul writes this for them to be strengthened by God's Spirit, so that we, as the church, the people of God, so that we will know His presence and the love of God in a very deep and profound way. Here's what he writes to them in Ephesians 3. This is Ephesians 3, verse 16 through 19. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete 
with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he says, I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts, that your roots will grow down deep into God's love, that you may understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ. And then, what does he say? Look at what he says. He says, this is what happens then you will be made complete. You will be made complete. The word that is used there is the word that means filled up. Filled up. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and got a bag of potato chips? You know, bag of Doritos, bag of pretzels, Lay's potato chips, ridges, non-ridges, I don't know. But you get a bag of potato chips, you pull it off the shelf, and you're feeling it, and what do you notice? The bag's only about half full. The rest of it's air. And you hate to pay that price because you're thinking, it's not even a full bag. This word here was a word that meant filled up, complete. All too often, we struggle with our identity Because there's a feeling like something is missing. A feeling of being incomplete. And sometimes when that happens, we try to fill that gap, we try to fill that missing piece with another person or with something else in our life. A lot of times with another person. I think there's there's even an old movie where that phrase was used. Someone was expressing their love to someone else by saying, you complete me. The only one, there's only one perfect love that has the ability to complete us. And that is the one and only perfect love of our Lord. So many people have been burnt by relationships gone bad. And sometimes I know that pain can cause a real loss of hope. Maybe even that pain causes a loss and a sense of identity. Anyone who's lived long enough knows that somewhere along the way, someone is going to hurt us. A minister by the name of Mike Bro once wrote this. He said, hasn't this been true in your experience? Haven't you found that people eventually disappoint you? Even as healthy and as good as relationships can be, they don't possess an unfailing love. People will break promises. People will betray you. People will exclude you. They'll reject you and wound you. They'll embarrass you, use you, and even abuse you. No excuses, but that's just a part of being imperfect. And when you get stung by one of those imperfect people, especially someone you were expecting to complete you, All that acceptance and security and significance you've been counting on is gone, and your identity is often gone with it. There's no perfect love. No perfect love except for the love of God. And that's why, that's why it is so very, very dangerous, extremely dangerous, to build an identity, to establish your self-worth on a relationship with someone else. 
If you've tried to establish your self-worth, your identity in a certain relationship with someone else, that's a dangerous position to be in. Because you're imperfect and they're imperfect. But there is a perfect love that you can trust. So the question I want to answer today, who are you? Well, you are someone who is loved by God. You are someone who is loved by God. If we look again at Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3.18, it says this. It says, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That word understand that's used in this verse is a really significant word. In the original Greek language, it carried the idea of grasping. It's actually the word that's used to describe rust. It's describing how rust will grasp a hold and eat and consume its way through the material. We need to grasp, to cling to, to hold on to, and to be completely consumed knowing that God loves us. When we let God's love get that deep into us, Ephesians tells us that it gives us a fullness. It gives us strength and power. It completes us. It fills up the empty space. The Apostle Paul used four words to describe God's love. He said God's love is wide, God's love is long. He said God's love is high. He said God's love is deep. Have you ever thought about those words? Those are expressive words. They're big words describing a big love. Think about that word wide. Think about God's love being wide. That is much different than how we love, isn't it? I mean... I don't know, but I kind of think most of us, we have limits on our love. We put borders on who we love or qualifications. We're only going to love if someone fits in this description that I have, this characteristic, this quality. We put these boundaries on, but not God. His love knows no limits. Think about the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved who? God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved who? The world. That's, that's wide. The whole, what does it say? The whole wide world. That's who God loves. John 3, 16 affirms to us the notion that God's love is unconditional. He loves everyone. He loves because that is his nature. That's who he is. 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God. Because why? Because God is love. The love of God is what propelled God to provide salvation for us. The gospel is good news about Jesus dying for our sins. The gospel tells us that Jesus died for us while we were still, does anybody know? While we were still sinners. That's what the Bible tells us. 
But let's not confuse, let's not confuse God's unconditional love with unconditional salvation. God loves everyone, but not everyone will be saved from their sins. Salvation is given by God to those who have responded to God's love and have put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yes, God loves everyone. Yes, God loves everyone, but he will not save everyone. God loves Christians, God loves his family with a different and a deeper type of love, a saving love. May may we never think that God loves the unfaithful or the unrepentant in the same way that he loves those who've been adopted into his family. May we never think that the unconditional love of God ignores our sin and allows us to continue to disobey his commands. Ephesians 5.2, we stay in Ephesians. Ephesians 5.2 says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. It's a verse that tells us about how amazing God's love is. And in the very next verse, tells us that there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place. So in one verse right there we hear about the love of God and then the very next verse it's giving us instructions on how we should and should not live. Yes, God loves us. But God still calls us to live according to his will. The Bible tells us about a time in which a group of men came before Jesus. And they came literally dragging along with them a woman who'd been caught in adultery. And they were ready to stone her. They were ready to put her to death. She was guilty of sin. But you know the story. Jesus spoke up and he said, you without sin, you throw the first stone. And the men dropped their rocks and they walked away. And then Jesus turned to this guilty sinner and he said, I do not condemn you either. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus showed love, but he also did not ignore the sin. And sometimes we hear that story and we put ourselves in in the position of the men that were throwing rocks. We, We learn the lesson that we should never condemn someone of their sin without first recognizing our own sin. And that's a good lesson to learn. But if we are really to embrace this, we would see ourselves as the woman at his feet. We're the sinner lying in the dirt, waiting for the rocks to be thrown. So let Jesus' words to her become words for you. I do not condemn you either, but go now and leave your sin. That's how wide God's love is. 
God loves you just the way that you are. He loves you even in your sin, but God also loves you too much to leave you just the way that you are. He gave his son to take your guilt away, and he gives his spirit to help us walk into obedience and to lead us to becoming more Christ-like. God's love is wide, and God's love is long. His love is unending. There's no limit on it. Remember the story of the prodigal son? This young man, this story is told, and in the story, this young man gets his inheritance early from his father. It means his father's not passed away yet. He gets his money early. He takes off, and it says, the story says that he went off to a distant country, and he wasted it all in reckless and sinful living. Eventually, he owned his mistakes, and he chose to repent. And when he made his way back home, where was his father? Luke 15, verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His father never gave up. His father never quit loving his son. He stood on the porch watching and waiting. And then when he saw his son off in the distance, making his way back home, his father ran to him, hugged him, kissed him, and welcomed him home. Don't ever think that God has stopped loving you. He's watching and he's waiting for you to come on back home. He'll never stop calling out to you, never stop longing for you to come back. God's love is wide, his love is long, and God's love is high. We use height as a measurement of stature. When something measures high, it it means that it's big. Well, God's love is certainly a big thing. There was a, a movie way back in the 80s about a professional bar bouncer named Dalton. Um... I won't recommend the movie because it's got some content that isn't good. And back then when I watched it, if I'm being honest, it was probably more harmful for my faith than it was helpful. Um, But in the movie, every time someone meets Dalton and finds out that he's this legendary bar bouncer, they always make the same statement. They always say, I thought you'd be bigger. You see, when it comes to feeling safe and secure... Bigger tends to be better. God's love is big. Big enough to surround us and keep us safe. Psalm Psalm 32, verse 10, the latter half of it says, The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The Bible tells us that we are protected by the love of God. Romans 8, verse 31 and verse 35 through 37 says, What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, in all of this, We are more than conquerors through him who what? Through him who loved 
us. Finally, consider how deep God's love is. Several years ago, our family uh, took a trip to southern Indiana, and we went to see the Marengo Caves. Anybody been there? Seen the Marengo Caves, okay, in southern Indiana? A few of you. Deep within those caves, there's a really unique feature. It's called Mirror Lake. Uh, That's the name of it. The lake looks like it's extremely deep, but that perception comes from the perfectly still waters, no air movement whatsoever. You're in a cave, so the waters are perfectly still, and because of that, they reflect the ceiling of the cave and give the appearance that the water is very, very deep, that the lake is very deep. But when you take your finger and you move the water, you can tell it's only just a couple inches deep. That's all it is. It's an illusion. Let me tell you, the love of God is not an illusion. It really has a depth to it. It is deep. It's deep and it's meaningful. It reaches deep down into our soul. See, God knows us in a deeper and more personal way than anyone. He he knows our thoughts He knows what's in our hearts, and he loves us. Think about when Jesus met Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. That meant that he was Jewish, but that meant he worked for Rome. So he's considered a traitor by his people. He's also a man with a horrible reputation, He's a traitor, he's a swindler, he's a cheat. Tax collectors made their money by taking the required tax and then adding on whatever they wanted. And they didn't usually do that in a fair way. One day word spreads that Jesus is coming through their town. Zacchaeus is somewhat short, I guess, and he decides to climb a tree so he can see this Jesus that he's heard about as he comes through town And Jesus stops and takes notice of Zacchaeus. And he says, hey, let's let's go to your house and let's eat together. Have Have you ever noticed in the story that Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name? Imagine how that made Zacchaeus feel. Oh, wait a minute. He knows who I am. He knows what I do. He, he, he knows my reputation. But then the reality of what Jesus just said to him kicks in. He's chosen me. He has chosen to come to my house to share a meal with me. In that culture, that was a big deal. Because that was a symbol of acceptance. Let me tell you this. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your reputation. He knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts that you try to hide from everyone else. He he knows the stubbornness, the pride, the greed, the anger, the shame. He knows that, and even despite that, he invites you in the same way that he invited Zacchaeus. 
In Revelation chapter 3, there's a picture given to a church that has become lukewarm in their faith. And in Revelation 3.20, the picture given says, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with that person and they will be with me. God loves you. He wants to be with you. And he went to the greatest length to make that possible. He gave us Jesus. Giving Jesus is the biggest evidence of God's love. That's the biggest evidence for God's love is when God gave Jesus. It's a demonstration of God's love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 actually says God demonstrated or God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much does God love you? Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no companion, no, have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. How much does God love you? Look at the cross. Look at the cross, because the cross is a very, very clear picture of how much God loves you. Rick Warren writes this. He says, when Jesus died on the cross, stretched out his arms, and the soldiers put nails through his hands, your name was engraved there. When you get to heaven, there'll be no scars on anyone except Jesus. He's going to have those scars for eternity to remind us how much he loves us. As if to say... Do you think I could forget you? Not a chance. This is how much you mean to me. That's who you are. You're someone loved by God. And that is a love that is wide. That is a love that is long. That is a love that is high. That is a love that is deep. Don't ever look anywhere else to try to find out what you're worth. God's crazy about you. Will you let God love you? God's love is never forced upon anyone, but God offers it. Will you let him love you? Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.